Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Find Me in a Book podcast. I'm your host, Tav, and I have the husband here with me today. I'm back. He's back. And this is our 40th episode. <gasps> Number so, 40? Yeah. What? I mean, the big four zero? I know. We have been doing this a lot. Oh, uh, we do not have a desk. We don't. Uh, we are We're working. using a plastic tote right now. <laughs> yeah, for our little setup. Um, so, okay, we are continuing on with Colleen Hoover books, which I'm sure you don't really know anything about her. Yeah, who's Colleen Hoover? So she is taking the TikTok world by storm, like book talk. That's where her books kind of became a huge thing. I mean, she was already writing books way before TikTok, and they were, like, pretty popular, but... With TikTok, anything becomes popular. So she has become quite a big deal. And I don't know why I felt like this month would be her month. I don't know. I just wanted to do it. So uh, we've already talked about two of her other books. And then today we are going to be talking about Verity, which is one of her like best-selling books. And it's like one of her top rated. So it's a uh, do it's I have exciting. to know about her other two books to understand this one? No, they're not connected at all. Okay. Which is okay. For this the... one's called Veracity. No, Verity. Verity. Yes. Okay. So with the mother-sister standard, I know that my sister is going to read it because her best friend told her to read it, and I was like, you should read it. And so... Who's your best friend? <laughs> her best friend is Allie, and oh. they've been best friends since I thought you I were going to say you. School. I was like setting you up oh. to be your sister's <laughs> Okay. Sure, I'm maybe one of her. Okay, ones, whatever. So yeah, I'm pretty sure she is going to read it. But my mom, no, I do not recommend it for my mom. One, it's uh, it has a lot of f words, so a lot of swearing, um, and it's pretty graphic. <laughs> like graphic not, in what way? Not a lot sexually. of throbbing. No, 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 no. Not sexually. More like killing. Oh. Like, <laughs> like murder type things. So this instead is, of throbbing, it's throttling. Yes. This is not your regular romance book. Um, so with a couple of Colleen Hoover's books, the romance is the main subject of the book and then things happen around it. But this is one of the books where this situation of this author and everything like that happens. That's more for forefront, I guess you could say. And then the romance is in Wait, the background. What? The it's, foreground? That's the word. Foreground? It's in the foreground? So the forefront? Is this a book or a movie? I like, don't know. I'm trying to set the scene for people. The foreword? The fo sure. It's like happening and then the background is the romance. Like that's like happens because it happens or whatever. So the romance is the subplot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sure they get it by now. I got you. Uh, I do want to give you guys a trigger warning. I don't really know what the trigger warning is, except for it's just graphic. We apologize if you hear some click clacking in the background. Our dogs are in here with us. We're trying to keep them still. Yeah. <laughs> they just like to. They just like to be up in our business. Oh, my god. So are you ready to get into this book? It's uh, it's pretty serious. It's a pretty serious book. So uh, okay, well, it, that's it, why it's called Verity. It probably needs your comedy in it. That's why <laughs> we're doing. This. You know, that's what every serious situation yeah. needs. Oh, child it's... murder. We need comedy. Ah, I bet it was the clown. <laughs> oh it was the gosh. clown who did it. I bet. How did you know? <laughs> Dad hired the wrong, the wrong party. Okay, person let's get into this. <laughs> 
I just want you guys to know that this book is basically all spoilers. Spoilers. Yes, all of it. Like, you're going to find out everything that happens. There's twists, there's turns, there's messed up things that you're going to learn about. So much messed up stuff. Yeah, so much messed up. So if you're not prepared for this book, don't listen. Don't. (laughs) I mean, I want you to listen. But, like, if you want to read this book for yourself, because it is, like, a top-rated book and it's going around, so you might want to experience it for yourself. Especially, like, the last 20 minutes of this podcast. Yeah. Don't listen to it yeah. if you want to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can listen to it up to a point. Um, but the past couple of weeks, I did give you, like, kind of a, a spoiler disclaimer. This one, I didn't. I just go into it. So, if you find yourself being like, oh, no, like, just turn it off. <laughs> That's that's as simple as it is. Um, but yeah, we get into a lot of description. We get into like everything that happens. But if you're the type of person that you're like, I'm never going to have time to read this, then definitely follow along. Definitely listen. Because- or if you're interested in the book and you want to read it from the perspective of these spoilers, I still bet it's a good read. That's true. Listen to this podcast all the way through and after, then read it. After you said all that stuff now, like... I would read this book and I would look for that stuff. That's true. Okay. And I, and so, I don't read. Listen, you don't read at all? I no, can't read. I can't read. <laughs> Hooked can't on read phonics did not work for... Hook it on phonics. <laughs> work good for me. That's exactly it. Anyways, let's get into it. Okay, so it opens with Lowen. Lowen is the main character. She is Is Lowen an spelled author. like L-O-W-E-N? So Loan is heading to a meeting with her agent. She is an author and she is stopped at a crosswalk when a guy doesn't realize that he can't walk. And so he moves to the crosswalk, gets hit by a bus, blood sprays all over her. This is the first, this is the first couple pages. And so she's kind of in shock, like, oh my gosh, my mom just died a week ago and this guy just died in front of me here. On a bus. Or like From a bus. Got hit, by, got the bus, hit by a bus, sprayed it across the face. Yeah. So Real everyone, final destination moment. Yeah. So everyone's just kind of like standing in there in shock. And she doesn't realize like she has blood all over her. And a guy is like, hey, are you okay? Can I help you? There's like a cafe over there. Like, let's get you cleaned up. And so she's kind of in shock. So they walk over to this cafe and go into the bathroom. And he helps her like clean up a little bit. And he actually gives her his shirt. And it's like a white button up. And she's just still in shock. Like, I mean, she just saw this guy's death. Yeah. And so she puts on the shirt. Because um, her shirt was covered. So wait, if yeah. he gives her his shirt, what's he wearing? He's wearing like an undershirt. And so she's like, thanks. Like, I have to go meet someone and so she heads to the building yes so she goes into the conference room with her agent and they're talking about like what the possibility is that they like were called there by this other publishing company and that's when the publishing company comes in with like their lawyer and this guy and uh, the publishers they tell them that there's this famous writer that's unable to fulfill a contract due to medical reasons and they want someone in like the same genre to complete the remaining books in this series and she's like uh well okay like tell me who this author is and they're like well you have to sign this nda so she's like those we love ndas (sighs) So she signs it, and then they tell her that it's Verity Crawford, which Verity Crawford is a very, very famous author. So they find out that the guy that gave her his shirt is the husband, Jeremy. Okay. So bloody bloody shirt guy giver. Yeah, is the husband of Verity. Okay. And 
they tell her like, hey, we want you to write as a co-author with Verity, even though she's been hospitalized, she's not really like coherent, but nobody really is supposed to know that. That's why the NDA. And uh, they will give her... Does she get hit by a bus too? No. (laughs) So they will give her 75K per book. And there's three books. Like all this different deal and stuff. And Lowen says no. Like she says no because she's very much an introvert. She doesn't want to meet with fans. She doesn't want to like face-to-face with people. Just like she just immediately says no because she's so introverted. We'll give you $75,000 to ghostwrite this book. A book. Yeah, per book. There's three books. Yeah, I, I got you. Ghostwrite these books. Yeah. So on um. But in this deal, she would have had to go on like tour. She would have had to do signing. She would have had to do so all this stuff. So she had to pose as the author then? No, a well? co-author. Oh. The co-author. Oh, yeah. not ghostwriter. Okay. No, yeah. Never mind. She was like, immediately no. And so the husband, he asks for a moment with Lowen. Everybody leaves the room and he says, hey, they're lowballing you. So ask for half a million and ask for a pen name, like to be to write under a pen name. And she's like, why are you helping me? And he's like, my wife loved your book. She like believed in you and just like nice things. My and wife so loved she's your like, book. And then it was the last thing she said. I said, I love this book yeah. before she got hit by a bus. <laughs> Yeah. And is now hospitalized. That's exactly Poor Verity. It. <laughs> Poor Verity. So she agrees to that. Everything's good. He actually invites her out to the house. Oh, wait. House. So how much money did she get? Half a million. For all three books? Um, I don't know. It doesn't specify. Okay. I guess so, that's not what the book's about. Yeah. <laughs> so he invites her to the house to go through like Verity's office and make notes and get kind of like a sense of her writing, especially if she's going to take her place in these next three books. And so he's like, hey, come out for a couple of days, like go through her notes, go through everything like that. Um, her agent is actually pretty cautious because they learn more about their story, about Verity's story. So she was actually in a car accident and With a bus, the same bus that killed the man no. in front of her. No, she hit a tree. Oh. And her twin daughters, um, they died as well, but not in that accident. So one daughter died, a second daughter died, and then Verity hit a tree. And was, was the tree an accident? This sounds like a very tragic we're woman. Gonna, we're going to find out. Okay, okay. And then they have a son. His name is Crew. So she goes to the house, and we also find out that Verity writes her books from a villain's point of view. So she writes it as the antagonist instead of the protagonist, which I think why it made her so popular, because she didn't do it like other authors do. So yeah, they get to the house, um, and Lowen is going through the office. So when she meets Verity, she realizes that she's very unaware. She's supposed to be like brain dead and... So that's when she like starts to go through the office. She got, starts to go through the files just to get a sense of who Verity is. And she finds an unfamiliar title, um, like a little manuscript, and it's called So Be It. And so as she's reading, she reads Verity's name. She reads Jeremy's name. She reads like a little bit more into it, and she realizes that it's an autobiography. And she's like, this is really a lot, but I kind of want to read more <laughs> just to get so a sense of who Verity is. So she ran into Verity's autobiography. Yes. It's not published. It's, it's not. No, so it essentially, was like this is like books. a journal. Yes, this basically. Girl, Lowen is just invading this 
woman. Well, who's yeah, in a she's got to she's got to figure out who this lady is so that she can write as her, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, just going through her most interpersonal <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes, makes sense. It makes. It's sense. not like she has a breadth of work that she could read through. Yeah. already. Yeah, exactly. So not basically, she's totally invading her privacy. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> okay. That's why it's so like oh, I don't know. Do we do this? She's should gonna we hook not up with uh, her husband too. No comment. <laughs> see, see, she reads her journal. She's going to hook up with a cat. I bet she's going to adopt poor crew. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So this book. Crew gets hit by a bus. So that's why. Yeah. We shouldn't joke about child death. Well, it's if crew was a real boy, I might be worried. Okay. So this book basically goes through like real life and in the, the chapters of this autobiography. It starts out, and Verity is talking about how her and Jeremy met. They met at this, like, charity. They both kind of, like, impersonated someone who was rich and could spend this money or whatever. And then they just, like, couldn't keep their eyes off each other. Basically love at first sight. And um, she is basically writing, like, how obsessed she is with him. and Her husband. Yes. Right. And that... She was his sole reason for living until he discovered the one thing that meant more to him than I did. Like, it's it starts out, like, pretty creepy. Like, she's just obsessed. Like, she's obsessed with all his attention on her. And she talks about her life, her obsession still with each other. And she says that the night that they got engaged also became the night that they conceived. So she didn't think about it like, oh, it's the night we got engaged. She thinks about it, oh, it's the night that we conceived. So in this autobiography, she basically gives the reader a warning that this is where it gets real and any author would paint themselves in a better light than to throw themselves into this x-ray machine. She said, there's no light where we're going. This is your final warning, darkness ahead. So she gives a warning before even getting into her autobiography. Okay, but she used the phrase, this is where it gets real. Yeah, <laughs> in her own autobiography. So does that mean everything else prior to that wasn't real? Well, I think it just means that it gets more serious. Like, it was light and fluffy. They're obsessed with each other. They're yeah. in love. and She's a writer. She should know better. Just tell us this is when it gets serious. That's what she did. She told us. She said real uh, colloquialisms. Okay, it's the same thing. Say what you mean. So Lowen had been there for a couple days, and she was out on the porch um, okay, and I'm sorry. What is the husband's name? Jeremy. Jeremy. Yes. The son's name Lowen's is Crew. Right. Crew. Yeah. Okay. I just, I keep forgetting Jeremy's name. Okay. okay. I got it. Yeah. And I'm then good. Verity and Lowen. Yeah. Um, so Lowen is out on the porch and the Verity and the nurse are on the porch as well. And the nurse walks away. Lowen looks down at like her papers. She's kind of like researching everything. And she looks up and Verity is staring at her. She can't escape the gaze even as Lowen like walks across like the porch trying to like go towards the door. And then when she reaches the door, they're no longer making eye contact. So her eyes didn't follow her after she moves. So it's very creepy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's very suspenseful. So a couple days later, they're all back on the porch again. Um, so Verity, or sorry. So Lowen is back on the porch, and then Jeremy and crew are out. And they have this lake behind the house. And so they're, like, fixing this fishing porch or whatever, like the back porch. 
And so crew looks up and smiles and like waves and Loen goes to wave back. But then she realizes that he's not looking at her. He's looking up. And that's when Loen like she she gets up, she looks around and she sees that it's Verity's window and the curtains are moving. And so she's like, what the heck? Like he wasn't waving at me. He was waving this feels like at a the ghost window. Story. It kind of is. Loen moves towards the house. She goes into the house. She slowly goes up the stairs just to like kind of peek like, okay, is he, is she faking? So she opens the door and she sees that. She they're... better hope she's not faking. <laughs> totally violated. Like I see you reading my journal. I know. <laughs> so uh, she sees that there was actually a fan blowing. So it was blowing the curtains and everything. She also notices that the remote is sitting on top of the dresser and she looks up at the TV, but it isn't on. And the nurse said that she turned on the TV before she left. So things aren't adding up already. She's suspicious. Verity's a little liar. (laughs) So it goes back to the book. I bet she was driving the bus that day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Got back before anyone realized. So we go back to the book. So the first line of this new chapter in the autobiography said, the first thing my baby ever stole from me was Jeremy. And he... Oh, she's talking about her kids. He became obsessed with her pregnancy as much as she was obsessed with him. So she found out that she was actually pregnant with twins. And Verity feared becoming a mother of one baby, but being forced to love and being forced to love the one thing Jeremy loved more than her. So even just that phrasing. Yeah, that phrasing is like, weird. Oh, I ha- I'm being forced to love this thing that my husband loves more than me. It's really sociopathic. It is. <laughs> so like a real narcissist quality there. Here's here's That's the next how big you thing. Talk, actually. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why would you say that? Because this is like a big a big thing right here. During the fourth month of pregnancy, she started hoping for a miscarriage. Oh. That's why that's I, I that's why I'm telling you guys graphic like material like it's it's rough. So she imagined how after losing the twins, he would make her his priority again. He would dote on her, worship her, care for her, and it wasn't be and not because of like what was growing inside of her. So she attempted to abort the babies yeah. because she wanted him to panic and to worry and feel bad for her. Oh. So yeah. That's some real I yeah. want to say that's like Munchausens. I don't know, but she just wanted him is, is that his attention. So maybe not quite sociopath, but definitely narcissistic. Yeah, because the babies are taking away attention from her. Yeah. Like she's that obsessed with her husband. That's cray cray. How would you feel if I was that obsessed with you? Mm-hmm. Who says you're not? <laughs> Me, I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm Shut up. That yes, you are. You. Just you are. <laughs> Love me. Love me, damn oh it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so it goes back to Loen, and she's just kind of in shock because, I mean, we're in shock after reading that. And so she says, like, a mother wouldn't write about herself or about her daughters if it weren't the truth. Like, a mother would never have those feelings or thoughts and would literally never dream of them. Um, and she would never compromise herself as a mother by writing something so horrid if she didn't actually experience that. What do you think about that? Why would she write about it if she didn't think that way, you know? Yeah. Why take the time to write those words down? Is this like a first? Are we sure that this is like an official autobiography? I don't know. (laughs) Because this is like pretty damning things. This feels really like she just read a journal. 
I don't know. We'll find out. Like later on, I don't know really like the timeline of when she asked this, but she went to Jeremy, Lowen went to Jeremy and asked if like Verity would make a full recovery, like what was kind of like what the doctor said or anything. And the doctor doesn't believe that she'll ever walk or talk again um, since she hasn't already made that progress. Like it's been. And we don't know what happened to Verity yet. We do. do. We? We'll oh. find out. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't want to tell you yet. Okay. Um, but the doctor also said that she's not paralyzed. There wasn't any damage to her spinal cord, but her mind, it's similar to the mind of an infant now. She has basic reflexes, but none of it is like intentional. So as the, the days are going on, Lowen is spending more time with Jeremy and also researching in like Verity's office. Um, it's only been about five days since she's been there. So the timeline is and kind of going And she's slow. like living in the house. She is, everyone. yeah. So she has like her own separate bedroom. It's actually the master bedroom. And Jeremy and crew are upstairs because it's closer to Verity's room. So nobody <laughs> so, really like So this on the woman floor. is not even in her own like master bedroom. No. <laughs> like, they have her sick in an in like a spare room, in a guest room. That's and her husband and crew it. sleep in a room that's nearby it. And they put a complete stranger. Yep. And they know <laughs> that Verity is like narcissistic, super jealous. Like they're just asking for a murder. Well, they don't know that she's that way yet. Oh, they don't? No. Only Lowen does because she's learn she's reading this autobiography. The other two don't know. Oh, so Jer- Jeremy has no Jeremy idea has that no his idea. Wife is as No crazy as she is no he has no idea all right that's when Lowen starts to think about like the whole situation and if Verity actually despised those girls after they were born which p.s. I don't think we talked about it the twins were both girls um so if she actually despised those girls after they were born as much as she despised them in utero 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 yes Mm -hmm. there's no way she would have agreed to have another child because she's thinking like well there's crew (laughs) like what happened with crew so the next morning Lowen actually hears crew like scream like he cries out and so and it sounds like it's coming from Verity's room and so when Lowen gets there crew is on the floor holding his chin and there's like blood on his hands and fingers and there's a knife next to him and that's when Lowen was like did you cut yourself with a knife like what happened um, and he says mommy says I'm not supposed to touch her knife and Lowen stops and she says your mommy says that like does your mommy talk to you like kind of like quizzing him a little bit so and crew is in the kitchen by himself no he's in verity's room oh he's in verity's room lowen comes in and he's like holding his chin that's full of blood and there's a knife on the floor and so he (laughs) says like mommy says not to touch the knife and she's like what (laughs) like tell me more um, but then Tell me he... more in front of your comatose mother. <laughs> yes, and also you're bleeding out of your chin. Um, but he actually like goes rigid and like shakes his head. So we don't get anything from here. He That's goes when... rigid and shakes his yeah, head. Yeah, he just kind of like oh goes like that. Oh, like... so he, he like had a seizure. Or something. <laughs> no. He went rigid yeah. and had a seizure. No, but he, he just was bleeding like, everywhere. He just like I... goes still and then he like shakes his head. So Jeremy comes in and takes crew to the bathroom to clean him up. And Lowen follows after and says like, hey, I think he cut himself. He was there in the bedroom and there was a knife on the floor. And that's when crew says, I didn't have a knife. I just fell off the bed. So he lied. Yeah. And Lowen was like, what? Like, I saw it. I mean, I saw it on the floor. Like, I assume that's what happened. So Lowen actually goes to get the knife just to show him like there was a knife on, on the floor. And she, when she walks into the room, there's no knife on the floor. 
and she checked like under the bed she checked like on the floor and when she gets up um to like get up off the floor she looks up and Verity is watching her it goes back to the book another chapter in the autobiography and she just had the babies and Jeremy is holding one like it's still in the hospital he's holding one with like tears running down his face it's really emotional and she looks at him and says are you crying and he like looks at her and she's like oh sorry sorry I said that wrong and then she like says like oh you're crying like oh it's beautiful but she like snapped that at him and so he looks at her and he says like I've never loved anything this much like did you ever think you were capable of loving someone so much so she actually like turns away as if she's emotional but she rolls her eyes and thinks to herself like yeah she's loved someone this much she's loved him for four years and so she's like and taking then the kids away, got in the way yeah she's like taking away this moment from him like I feel like you're supposed to be really happy when you have kids, like when you have a baby. And she's like, why are you crying? I don't know. Some <laughs> of the kids that you and I have seen, I, I get it. I don't know. I get it. So it goes back to Lowen, and she starts to ask more and more questions about, like, Jeremy's life before and after his daughters, like, just to be more, like, get a sense of him. And he... He tells her that he was hoping that Verity would see the light with, like, the birth of the girls, but she didn't. Uh, she only saw more darkness. So he could tell. Like, he could tell that she was, like, this sort of way. So um, in all the pictures that Lowen has seen, one of the daughters, her name is Harper, and she never smiles. And so she asked him, like, why, why doesn't she smile? And she was actually diagnosed with Asperger's when she was three. So she's not very expressive. And he tells her his world tur- turned upside down with when Chastin, Chastin's the first girl, when Chastin died, and then when Harper died, it ended completely. And when he got the call about Verity, the only thing left in him to feel was anger. And he was angry at Verity. One daughter died, second daughter died, and then Verity got in an accident. And all he could feel was anger at that point. So oh it's like, gosh. something's happening. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening, but something's happening. So then it goes back to the book. And Verity was pretty nervous for Jeremy to go back to work after the kids were born. But when he did end up going back, it ended up being like the best thing that ever happened to her. Because he would leave around 7 in the morning. And she would wake up with him so that he could see her caring for the girls. And then when he left, she would put them back in the cribs, unplug their monitors, and go back to bed. From the day she he started going back to work, she began to get more sleep than she'd ever gotten. Uh, they had a corner apartment in the room, um, so they weren't, like, against any other apartment. So no one could hear them cry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. At night, the girls would be exhausted from crying that so they, they would, just go right like, to bed. They'd go right to like, bed. And, oh, this and is great. The kids sleep so Exactly. Good. And Verity would be able to write her books. So, oh, my god! Isn't that so messed up? <laughs> that is so messed up. <laughs> yeah. So then it goes back to Lowen. And she's asking more about Jeremy and his background because we don't really know anything about him. And he actually had – he started his own real estate firm the same year that Verity started writing books. And when she started selling her books more and making more and more money, it kind of like overshadowed him. And it didn't make sense for him to keep working, especially when she got pregnant with crew. So back to the book. Uh, Verity actually has a dream of the girls and Jeremy. 
and they're still okay, like sorry when you mean when you say back to the book the autobiography the autobiography yeah. book okay yeah verity had a dream um that the girls were around eight or nine years old they're still like very young at this point they're babies when she has this dream and she has a dream that Harper was on top of Chaston covering her head with a pillow. And Verity rushed over in this dream, like terrified that it was too late, and pushed Harper off her sister and pulled the pillow away. And when she did, she saw that Chaston didn't have a face. And she like woke up and she was like, what? Her reaction wasn't really to the dream, though. How much it was a premonition that she felt like it was guiding her. And she actually felt pain and heartache from that night like that dream when she thought that chastin was dead she wanted to like fall to her knees and weep and so she was thinking like had she finally connected to them like to chastin at least like so basically okay. she had this nightmare she so pushed she harper was... off and she was sad that chastin had died in this dream so okay. she's like whoa i'm actually feeling something for these girls at least chastin anyways okay. so she's not a sociopath She's, I guess not. She's really narcissistic. <laughs> yeah. And this dream proved that she has emotions. Okay. Yeah. So she's like, did I finally connect to them? No. Like, was this what it felt like to be a mother? Like, Probably not. It was the most she'd ever felt since the girls had been born. That could be. Um, so she had woken up that early, like pretty early in the morning from this dream. And she heard one of the girls crying. And so she was excited to go see because she thought it was Chaston. But when she gets in there, she's immediately irritated because it's Harper that's crying. It's not Chaston, it's Harper. And you're like, dang it. Yeah. So she's like, well, maybe what she felt was like a mother's intuition. Maybe she knew something terrible was going to happen to Chaston. And that's why she was given that sudden love for her. Um, so she only loved Chaston, not Harper. Yes, at this point. Like, she immediately <laughs> loved Chaston. So she felt an overwhelming urge to rectify what she knew was going to happen. Never in all her life had a dream been so vivid to her, and she felt like if she didn't do something about it in that moment, it would come true any day. So So did she, she like, start trying to be a better mom? Oh, no. Uh, she starts thinking, would they be able to tell a difference between suffocation and SIDS? What? She tries to suffocate Harper. Um, so wait, what's what's SIDS? Is that like it's like the si or is that sleeping where they... disorder or the sleeping infant? Yeah, where the child like just dies in their sleep. Oh, it's just one eye. So it's sudden infant death syndrome, some sometimes known as caught death. Uh, it's the sudden uh, sudden unexpected and unexplained death of apparently healthy babies. Uh, it's pretty rare, and the risk of your baby dying from it is low. Okay, so um, and not don't really common, know... thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, they don't really know the, the cause of it, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, she's basically thinking like, oh, are they going to tell if... Can I get away with murder? Or... Exactly. Hmm. Oh, um, a... So she's, like, suffocating Harper, and Jeremy is walks in. the mother of Cruella DeVille? Basically. So Jeremy walks in. He doesn't see what's happening. He's like, oh, can I help? Like, she's still crying. Um, and Verity's like, he had no concern for me. He only had concern for Harper. Like she was upset that he was concerned over the baby crying over her. So Lowen keeps reading more and more chapters of this autobiography. And, and in these chapters, Verity mainly focuses on like Jeremy and Chaston and like rarely mentions Harper at all. 
And in one of the chapters, Jeremy gets mad at Verity because she only talks about Chaston and never talks about Harper or what Harper is learning at school or accomplishing or anything like that. And he is able to tell, obviously. And so he gets mad at her. And so she makes an excuse that she doesn't want to push Harper because they're two different children with two different sets of needs. And she has to be two two different mothers to them. And um, in, in her book, she says she... She says she was good at spewing bullshit. It's what sh- it's why she became a, a writer. Oh my god. So she's like writing that she's creating oh. this narrative to appease him. She's she's not only making her character look what is it? Uh Colleen Hoover? Yeah. Colleen Hoover. Colleen Hoover's really going for the jugular of all yeah. authors out there. She really is. So uh Verity could tell that Jeremy was upset, obviously. And so she says she announces to him that she's pregnant. Uh, she's not pregnant, but she announces it because she wants she his wants attention. attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she said, if there's one thing it's the like girls... like a Kelly Kapoor thing. I'm pregnant. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing the girls brought to her life, it was that Jeremy seemed to love her the most when she was pregnant. Now that he thought she was about to give him a third child, she could already feel his love multiply again. Ugh, this feels unhealthy. It, uh, this whole book is unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's awful. Okay, so back to Loan. She's been there for about two weeks now, and her and Jeremy are getting pretty close. All right. Um, so one evening, they're making How out. Close. <laughs> they're making out. Jeremy and Loan are uh, making out in the living room. Yeah, he's like on top of her. Loan's. <laughs> He's on top of her? Yeah, making out on the couch. So she looks up, because he's kissing on her neck. She looks up. Verity's at the top of the stairs. <laughs> of course she is. Of course she is. And that's when Loan yells, like, Verity, Verity. And so he thinks that she's upset because he's still married. And So, so he thinks he's, she's just yelling out Verity, like... Because she feels guilty, to, yeah. like, oh, like, stop. Oh, at least she feels guilty. Yeah, but she's like... Uh, no, Verity was at the top of the stairs, like freaking out. And uh, so he runs to Verity's room, but she's laying down silent as if she hasn't moved. And so he comes back down and he's like, she, she hasn't moved. And Lowen's like, you know what? Maybe I'm just uh-uh, going paranoid. She definitely like, has moved. Like, and she starts thinking like, maybe she's gone paranoid. She hasn't really slept like the past couple weeks, like because she's been researching all this stuff. Like she put a cowbell on Verity. I guess so. <laughs> just so like whenever she walks around, you just hear dong dong. Oh, Verity's up. All right. She <laughs> but was she, faking. she literally asked Jeremy, do you think she's faking it? Like, would in you the, ask In the room that? with Verity? I don't know if it was in the room. Maybe it was like downstairs. Jeremy hasn't like, read this book that Lois. He hasn't. Reading. No. And she asked, do you think Verity's faking? Yeah. Because. Well, of course he's going to be like, no. Why would a normal human being yeah. fake something like that? And he this? thinks that she's also paranoid and he's becoming a little paranoid himself. He said that he saw the scans uh, and Verity wouldn't fake something like this. Like no one would. Like it would be impossible. Right? Like, why is why hasn't she let him read this autobiography? Yet? I don't know. Like maybe she just doesn't want him to know that his See, wife is crazy. Like this, this is where I'm just a little disconnected from it because it's like you you're supposed to co-author something with this yeah. person and get a lot of money. Your name is forever attached to this. But nobody person. knows about her though. Yeah, no one knows about her. But still, even if it's a pen pal, even if it's like anonymous, it's like. You're putting your name next to this 
insane person. Yeah, but if no one finds out and she's still like famous, it's like a win-win. So I don't know. May, I what if I think it's maybe because she she has feelings for Jeremy and she doesn't want to like ruin it. I don't know because listen, Jeremy, I I'm really into you, but there's your wife wrote this terrible book. I'm not gonna let you read it, but like I'm really into you. <laughs> We're just gonna let know. this play out as long as possible. I don't know why she didn't let him read. I really it. like the sexual she didn't, tension. Between she didn't want to destroy him. Like she didn't. Yeah. Like no. it's another. Okay, like, not wanting to he's destroy already him. Lost, that makes sense. He's already lost two of like two daughters. Yeah. And his wife is basically in this like coma thing. Yeah. Terrible. So okay, so it goes back to the book. Okay. And we actually find out what happened with the girls. So the girls were actually at a sleepover and got into a pantry that night. And a bus hit them. No, Chaston had an allergic reaction oh. to peanuts. A nut so, allergy. Oh. But here's the thing, though is that they are very, like, they're very clear with, like, the girls' friends' parents about this allergy. So they have an EpiPen. They have, like, everything covered. And so the mom made sure that there wasn't any peanuts, but I guess they found some, like, in the pantry or whatever late at night. So they wake up. Chastin doesn't wake up. Um, And so they, like, take her to the hospital. She's pronounced dead from anaphylactic shock. So Verity... Peanut allergy at a sleepover. Yeah. All those girls are scarred for life. Well, Verity always suspected Harper. Uh, She said every time that she mentioned, like, what happened with Chaston, she would look at Harper and she could see the guilt. And... So wait, how old is Harper? I think they're, like, eight. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So... It's been going on for eight years. Yeah. And Verity said that like she'd been waiting on this to happen for years. From the time they were six month old, months old, she knew that Harper would find a way to kill Chaston. Just from that nightmare. Like she just knew. Oh my God. And so even though it happened at the sleepover, she still thinks Harper is responsible. And she says like she should have stopped Harper before she could act. Like they would still have Chaston and then maybe Jeremy wouldn't be so sad all the time. So she's like regretting not suffocating Harper when she was a baby. Mm. <laughs> Isn't this just, I'm telling you guys, this is a, not. This is a heavy book. It's a very heavy book. There's like, nothing romantic about this It's book. not romantic. It's hard to make jokes about it. Like <laughs> it's, it's hard to make heavy. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. It's completely different from the book. You know what? The romance is the comic relief in this. It really is. Thank goodness that they're having an adulterous love affair in the living room. I really needed some time away from this horrible mother. Right? That's exactly This is the only time I'm kind of rooting for adultery right now. (laughs) That's sad. Um, Okay, so then it goes back to Loan, and she is actually, like, very relieved that... um, she knows how Chaston died now, and Chaston wasn't murdered, basically. And to know that Verity hadn't killed Chaston, uh, but she still lost her daughter, um, yet literally all she could think about was that she should have killed Harper and was fed up with waiting for Jeremy to get over his grief. That's basically what it was. Like, yes, I lost a daughter, but, like, he needs to get over it. <laughs> like... Get over oh my it. Gosh. Get over yourself, Jeremy. All right. You have three kids. So what? You lost one. Right. You still got two thirds of so your kids. Sad. All right. And you have me, Jeremy, your wife, Verity. Okay. Hello, I'm, I'm worth like important. 18 kids. Oh my gosh. 
So most of the manuscript up until the last chapter, it happened years ago. Um, but the last chapter was recent, like less than a year ago, months before Harper's death. Okay, so let, let me just get the timeline straight. Okay, so Chastin. Yeah. Chastin died around eight years old. Yeah, it was, yeah. And then a year later is when Harper okay. will have so died. So it wasn't like boom, boom. It was like boom, turmoil. A year later. Okay. And then, yeah. So it's been like less than a month since Harper's death. Or sorry, less than a year since Harper's since death. Harper's. Yeah. Or Chastin's death. No, or Harper's death. Harper's so it's death been about a book? year. Yeah. So it's. I don't know how Harper's okay, died so yet, though. Ch- Chastin died a year later. Shock. Harper died. Okay. So it's been about, it's probably been, I don't know, seven or eight months since Harper died. So this Harper chapter died. she's about to read is about Harper's death. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. Let's go into it. Okay. Well, not yet though. Okay. Because, not yet. Uh, at this point, Loan is pretty fed up with reading this and she- <laughs> Oh, now she's fed yeah. up with it. She's <laughs> so to the she last goes... chapter of the book. She's like, you know what? This isn't a good book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm 20 chapters in it. I still, I still have no I'm feelings for the main character <laughs> yeah. yet. I, I'm not, I'm not on board with her. Yeah. So at that point, um, crew really wants to go out to a restaurant. So they all go out, like the three of them, to How a restaurant. Um, I think he's five. He's five. And he wants to go to a restaurant. Yeah, he's like, That's I just want to get out. Five year old. Well, no, he just wants to get out of the house. They I want to go to Chili's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they take him out of the house, and later that night, Lowen was like, "Hey, like, you really should look into a facility for Verity because, like." You still have crew. He wants to live his life. Like Also, you, she's sneaking around the house watching us make out, and it's really killing my lady that's boner. basically it. So she's like, you probably need to like look into it. Like Start living your life, basically. And so we go back you into the You know that book. crazy woman on your bed? You should probably just put her somewhere yeah, like, out of the way. Start living your life with me. <laughs> n- never, never see her. You know what? Just run away with me. We, you don't have to be. We'll take crew. Let's just go. I got a book you should read on the way to. It'll all make sense. So we go back into the last chapter of the book. Last chapter of the autobiography. The autobiography, yes. There's like two books. Okay, this this story's got some layers to it. All right. So I think I might have gotten it wrong. So it said that Chastin had been gone six months to that day. So they they died within six months of each other. Okay. Okay, so it said that she had died six months to that day, meaning she had spent all those days building resentment for the child responsible. So those six months, she's just just building resentment towards Harper. Yeah. Harper, you didn't take out the garbage. You know who took out the garbage really well? Chastin. If only she was alive, but you had to give her peanuts. I mean, she had to find peanuts. Well, uh, to go along with that, uh, they're at the breakfast table, and Verity says to Harper, are you even upset that Chastin is dead? You haven't even cried, not once. Your twin sister is dead, and you act like you don't even care. So a little bit worse than what you said. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what I said was I didn't go far enough. Like, yeah. No, oh that's, my gosh. A, that's what she said. Um, and Harper, of course, is tearing up and saying, like, I do care. I miss her. And Verity just basically laughs on her face. Oh, Harper. So when Jeremy comes in the kitchen... Uh, Verity wants to seem like she's a good mom to Jeremy and says like, oh, Harper and crew, like we should go out on the lake in a canoe. So that I can drown you. 
I got it. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so so Verity says, "Let's go on the lake in a canoe." Yeah. Harper. So crew crew and Harper are excited because their mom wants to do something with them. So they go down to the lake and they get into look, the ma- canoe. Look, Dad, mom, mom says she's going to take us to the lake. Well, she wants canoe. to seem like a, a good mom to Jeremy. So Jeremy's at the house. Um, and so they get in the canoe and Verity leans over to crew who's right in front of her and Harper's right in front of him. So she leans over to crew and says, hold your breath and flips them over. And so she helps crew out of the water, swims to shore while Harper is drowning. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you read like nice books. This is awful. I thought I read nice books too. And then this book came along and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, what is and you this? say this is her best book? Well, it's the, her most popular book. It's, oh, that's it was like her best. Her most popular book. Bestseller. Most popular, yeah. bestselling book. I think it's like number two in all of books right now. <laughs> People... Because it's like so unlike her things. other books. Okay. Because her other books, the romance is happening, and that's like what you focus on in this book. And then there's another book. Uh, I think we're reading it next week. Um, but people know, like, it ends with us. The mother is uh, just what, the worst yeah. C word yeah. ever. That's very strong, but yes. I, well, I can't I'd okay. say it. So she drowns. Um, Harper's she, dead. Yes. Uh, crew is wondering, Mom, and, why, why, why? Yeah, well, as she's pulling crew to safety to the, the shore, she thinks, oh, Jeremy will thank me for this, for saving crew. He'd be devastated, of course, but thankful too. So they get to the shore, and she says, go get Daddy, go get Daddy. And so she pretends to go and look for Harper. Uh, so Jeremy comes running. Yeah, Jeremy, they call, like, 911. She's proud of how hysterical she was. She faked being hysterical, and she's proud of herself for how she faked it. She, <laughs> I know. She's a bad lady. Okay, so Lowen's like, WTF. Yeah. She's like, do I go to the police? Like, what do you, what do, you do? Uh, yeah, no, it's murder. You, like, you go to the police. It's yeah, like, even though she's hey, like... Hey, cops, remember those twins? Well, uh, I, I think the mother... No, the mother definitely killed one of them. Lowen asks crew some questions about his mom and she's like trying to be like did your mom do this on the lake and he says mommy said i shouldn't talk to you if you ask me questions about her oh sorry i'm getting ahead of myself so he's eating and he's like or something yeah 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 there and so she asks him that he bites down on a butter knife until he bleeds and then screams and so jeremy comes in takes him to the doctor and says, like, hey, you have to stay behind. Like, someone has to stay with Verity. I think this little crew kid, like, five years old, he's already messed up. Why does he keep doing this? He bit down on a butter knife until he, he bled. Yeah, and he had to go get stitches. Oh, my gosh. So, this kid. Lowen is freaked out because she has to stay there with Verity. And but so, his mom was, like, in the room when she was, like, faking being asleep or something. She's like, crew, won't you go downstairs and bite? I don't know. Or say like, hey, if they ask questions about me, do something to like distract them. Well, mom, what do I do? I don't know. Bite a butter knife. But it'll really hurt. I don't care. I'm your mother. Bite a butter knife. Maybe that's Bite the butter knife. But mom, I don't want to. But so Lowen remembers that they had like gone down to the basement and she saw a baby monitor down there. So she went and got this baby monitor and snuck it into Verity's room. So Verity didn't see her or anything. Like she puts this baby monitor. So she is like just monitoring this thing the whole time that Jeremy is away with crew getting these stitches. 
So it goes back to the book. Jeremy is starting to question her. And she asks, like, am I at the end of my story? Like, will I end because of, like, at the hands of Jeremy? Or will I end at my own hands? And she says, or maybe he'll wake up convinced that Harper's death was not an accident. Maybe he'll report me to the police. If that's the case, so be it. I'll just drive my car into a tree. The end. <laughs> that's her last sentence in this autobiography. I'll just, I'll just drive, drive my, my car, car in. into a tree. Yeah, I'll just drive my car into a tree. No that's, big deal. Well, she is not sane. Or She's rash. not sane. No. She, this it's is a when very Lohan, mentally ill woman. Oh, yeah. This is when Lowen realizes that Jeremy suspected her. Like, Jeremy suspected Verity because he was starting to question her. Oh. That's when Lowen kind of snaps. So she goes up to Verity's room, and, and Jeremy and, and crew are still at the doctor. So Lowen goes up to Verity's room and starts pulling her out of the bed, saying, I know you're faking. I know you're faking. <laughs> well, Jeremy shows up and tells her, Lowen to leave. He's like, you need to get out. And that's when she shows him the manuscript. Oh, now and says, she shows you him. have to read this. If anything, read the last couple chapters. Like, you have to read this. Yeah, just, just read the last. That's when it gets really good. All right. Yeah. Th- those first ones, it's really like they're just pandering around the whole time. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, but it really gets good. Yeah, like, read part. those last ones. So she's watching this baby monitor. And she starts to hear Jeremy, like, walk towards Verity's room because it's, like, underneath. And she's like, whoa, he finished that manuscript really quickly. And so she's watching the monitor. This is where it kind of gets, like, weird. So Jeremy walks into her room and says, if you don't answer me, I'm calling the police. When I walk out of this room, I'm taking this manuscript straight to the police. They'll put you away and you'll never see crew again if you don't open your eyes and tell me what's going on in this house. She opens her eyes. She's a faker. (laughs) So Verity had opened her eyes. And she said, I had to, Jeremy. She says, please don't hurt me. I'll explain everything. (laughs) So she tries to run out out of the bed, like to leave the room. And he grabs her and starts choking her. And Lowen runs in. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, stop, stop, stop. And then she starts singing. And she's like, make it look like an accident. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's like, and she took the line because it goes into more detail when Verity is like choking Harper, like her thought process and everything. Lowen says that. She says, make her vomit, cover her nose and mouth until she stops breathing. It'll look like she choked in her sleep. Like that line basically is what she Verity was the, thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and Lowen says. Yeah, Lowen says, like, we'll call the police in the mornings. We'll say that she passed away. So she dies. So then seven months later. Cut to seven months later. (laughs) Yeah. They had sold the house. So they're together. Jeremy and Lowen are together. Um, She had drafted the books. Everything's good. And Lowen is actually pregnant, too. Yeah. (laughs) So they go back to the house, the original house, to pack up the remaining things. They take crew with them. And before they leave, crew is like, oh, I forgot to get my stuff out of mom's floor. I drew pictures for her, and I forgot she used to keep them in there. And so Lowen follows after him. He gets his stuff, and she sees that there's another floorboard that's kind of, like, moved. So she goes in there. She looks in the floor, and she finds the knife. And she also finds a picture of the girls and an envelope with a letter in it. And the first page is blank, and the second page is a letter to Jeremy. 
So I have to go to like the actual book and I'm going to read you the letter because I can't really like summarize it very much Okay. because there's just so much. So this is an actual excerpt from the book. It is. Yes. Is this like the end of the book too, by it the is. way? Yep. This okay. is the end. Okay. Here we go. Okay. I'll try and read this pretty quick. Uh, dear Jeremy, I hope it's you who finds this letter. If it isn't you, I hope it will get to you somehow because I have a lot to say. I want to start off with an apology. I'm sure by the time you read this, I'll have left in the middle of the night with crew. Our lives were perfect until we somehow flipped into an alternate dimension the day Chastam died. As much as I try to forget where it all started to go wrong, I was cursed with this mind that never forgets a single thing. We were in Manhattan having dinner with my editor, Amanda. You were wearing that thin gray sweater I loved. The one your mother bought you for Christmas. My first novel had just released. I signed a two-book deal with Pantom, which is why we were at the dinner. I was discussing my next novel with Amanda. I don't know if you tuned this part of the conversation out, but I'm guessing you did because writer talk always bores you. I was expressing my concerns to Amanda because I wasn't sure which angle to take with the new book. Should I write something completely different or should I stick to the same formula of writing from the villain's point of view that made my first novel so successful? She suggested I stick to the same formula, but she also wanted me to take even more risks with the second book. I told it was difficult for me to make a voice in my novel sound authentic when it wasn't at all how I think in my everyday life. Uh, that's when she told me to try an exercise she learned in grad school called antagon antagonistic journaling. No. Yes. <laughs> so... This would have been a great time for you to be paying attention at the dinner, but you were on your phone, probably reading an ebook that wasn't mine, blah, blah, blah. She said antagonistic journaling was the best way to improve my craft. She said I needed to get into the mind of an evil character by writing journal entries from my own life, things that really happened, but to make my inner dialogue in the journal entry be the opposite from what I was actually thinking at the time. She told me to start by writing about the day you and I met. She said I should write down what I was wearing, where we met, what our conversation was that night, but to make my inner dialogue more sinister than it actually was. It sounded simple, harmless. And then she gives an example of how she did it. So like how she was looking at Jeremy, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't very good at making myself much of a villain the first time I tried it, so I made it a habit of writing down our milestone moments. I wrote about the night you proposed to me, the night I found out I was pregnant, the day I gave birth to the girls. Every time I wrote about a new milestone, I got better and better at being inside the mind of a villain. It was exhilarating. It helped immensely, which is why I was able to create such a realistic, terrifying characters in my novels. It's why they sold, because I was good at it. By the time I finished my third novel, I felt I had mastered the craft of writing from a point of view that wasn't at all mine. The exercises had helped me so much, I decided to combine all of my journal entries into an autobiography that could be used to teach other authors how to master their craft. I needed to tie the chapters together with an overall storyline so that the autobiography was more cohesive, so I pushed the envelope with every scene to make it more jarring, more disturbing. I don't regret writing it because my only intention was to eventually help other writers, but I do regret writing about Harper's death just days after it happened. Oh. Uh, my mind was in such a dark space, though, and sometimes as a writer, the only way to clear your mind is to let the darkness spill out on your keyboard. It was my therapy, no matter how hard that may be for you to understand. Besides, I never thought you would read it. Beyond the first manuscript, you never read anything I wrote. So why? Why did you choose to read that one? It was never meant for anyone to read and believe. It was an exercise. That's it. A way to tap into the dark grief that was eating at me and eliminating it with every stroke of the keyboard. 
I know this letter is hard for you to read, but it can't be any harder than the manuscript was to read the night you found it. And if we're ever to come to a place of forgiveness, you need to keep reading so that you'll know the absolute truth about the night, not the version you discovered days after Harper died. When I took Harper and crew out on the lake that day, I was trying to be good for them. That morning you mentioned how I didn't play with them anymore, and you were right. It was so hard because I missed Chaston so much, but I also had these two beautiful children who still needed me, and Harper really did want to go to the water that day. It's why she ran upstairs crying because I had told her no. I never scolded her for her lack of emotion like I stated in the manuscript. I was using artistic freedom to further the plot. It's an insult that you believe I would speak to one of our children that way. It's an insult that you believe any of that manuscript or that I was capable of harming them. Harper's death was an accident. Her death was an accident. They wanted to go in the canoe, and it was so beautiful that day. And yes, I should have put life, life vests on them. I realize that. But how many times have we gone in the boat without them? The water wasn't that deep. I had no idea the fishing net was beneath the surface. If it wasn't for that fishing net, I would have found her and helped her to shore, and we all would have laughed about the day the boat tipped over. I watched your suspicion come to a head a few nights after Harper passed. We were in bed when you started asking me all those questions. I couldn't even believe you would think I would do something like that on purpose. And even if it was a fleeting thought, I saw the love you had for me leave your body and flitter away like it was never there. Because yes, I did tell Crew to hold his breath. I told him to hold his breath as the canoe was tipping over. I was trying to help him. I thought Harper would be fine because we've played in the lake many times before, so my focus was on Crew after we fell into the water. I grabbed him and he was panicky panicking so I tried to make it back to the dock as fast as I could before he caused us both to drown not even 30 seconds had passed before I realized Harper wasn't right behind us to this day I blame myself I was her mother her protector and I assumed she'd be fine so I focused on crew for 30 seconds too long I didn't I didn't okay Sorry, is there still more? Yeah, there's still more. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait, I'll so, wait. I have so many in. questions. Yeah, which we'll talk about at the end. Okay. Um, I didn't blame you for suspecting me. I probably would have allowed my mind to explore ever, every possible scenario if the roles had been reversed and she drowned under your supervision. Um, I thought you'd wake up the next day after our conversation in the bed and you would realize how ridiculous your indirect accusations had been. I didn't even try to change your mind that night because I was too full of grief. So I couldn't sleep, so I went to my office and opened my laptop for the first time in six months. Imagine it for a moment, a mother grieving the loss of both of her daughters, writing a fictional workup that accused one of them of murdering the other. I wrote all about Chaston's death. I wrote all about Harper's. I even went to the beginning of the manuscript and added foreshadowing so the entire thing would match our grim reality. Um, and then she goes on to explain like the, the mind of a writer to him. Um, and like her real world and why she would escape into the world that she had created. And she said, because every time I worked on that autobiography, I found relief in closing the laptop. I found relief in walking out of my office and being able to close the door on the evil I had created. That's all it was. I needed for the imaginary version of my world to be darker than my real world. Otherwise, I would have wanted to leave both. So it goes on a little bit more, and then she said, After being up all night reading, I slept most of the day. When I finally woke up that night, I couldn't find you. Crew was already asleep, but you weren't there with him. I was standing in the hallway wondering where you had disappeared to when I heard a noise in my office. The noise was you. I'm not sure what kind of sound you had made, but it was worse than either of the days we found the girls had died. I walked towards my office to console you, but I stopped short before opening the door because your cries had turned into rage. Something crashed against the wall. I jumped back, wondering what was happening. 
That's when I remember the laptop. The autobiography was the last file I had opened. I swung the door open to explain what I knew you had just read. I'll never forget the look on your face as you stood there and looked at me from across the room. It was complete and utter misery. There was nothing left inside of you but hatred and destruction. So she shook her head and wanted to say, like, no, it's not true, Jeremy. It's, it's okay. It's not true. But all she could get out was saying no. The next thing I knew, you were dragging me by my throat to the bedroom. I was no match for your strength as you held my arms down with your knees and squeezed my throat even tighter. If you'd given me five seconds, just five seconds to explain, I could have saved us. I tried so hard to say, just let me explain, but I couldn't breathe. I'm not sure what happened of the events was after that. I know I passed out. Maybe you panicked because you realized you had almost killed me. I woke up in the passenger seat of my Range Rover and you were behind the wheel. There was tape on my mouth and my hands and feet were bound together. Again, I just wanted to explain that what you read wasn't true, but I couldn't talk. I looked down and realized I didn't have on a seatbelt. And in that moment, I knew what you were doing. It was one simple sentence in the manuscript about how I should turn off the passenger airbag and drive my car into a tree while Harper was unbuckled so her death would look like an accident. You were going to kill me and make my death look like an accident. I had unknowingly written my own death in the last two sentences of my manuscript. So be it. Maybe I'll just drive my car into a tree. I realized in that moment, if you were ever suspected of my death, all you had to do was provide the manuscript. Had I died, it would have been the perfect suicide letter. Of course, we both know that part of the story ended. I'm assuming you removed the tape from my hands and feet, placed me in the driver's side of the vehicle, and walked home where you waited for the police to notify you that I had died. Your plan didn't work, though. I'm not sure I'm relieved that it failed. It would almost be easier if I had died in that wreck because pretending to be injured has been difficult. I'm sure you're wondering why I've been deceiving you for so long. I have very little memory of what the first month after Harper's death. I'm assuming I was in a medically induced coma because of the swelling on my brain, but I remember the day I came out of it very clearly. I was alone in the room, which gave me time to process what needed to happen. How would I explain to you that every negative word you read was a lie? You wouldn't believe me if I tried to deny that manuscript because I wrote it. Those words were mine, no matter how untrue they were, because who would believe it was a lie? Certainly not someone who, would under, who didn't understand the writing process. As if you were aware that I had recovered, you would turn me into the police if you hadn't already. I'm sure an investigation would have followed Harper's death had I not had that wreck. For three days, I pretended to be in a coma when... When anyone would enter my room, doctors, nurses, you crew, but I was careless one day and you caught me with my eyes open as you walked into the hospital room. You stared at me, I stared back. I saw your fist clench as if you were pissed that I had woken up and if you wanted to walk over and wrap your fingers around my throat again. You took a few steps toward me, but I decided not to follow you with my eyes because your rage terrified me. If I pretended not to be aware of my surroundings in that moment, there was a chance you wouldn't try to end my life again a chance you wouldn't go to the police and tell them I had recovered. So I pretended for weeks because I felt it was my only means of survival. I was going to fake the extent of my brain injuries until I could figure out how to fix the situation. Um, so then she talks about how he was a good husband and everything. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. How much longer is this letter? Um, There's so many. I know. A little. I'll just go what like I highlighted. So okay. some of this isn't going to make sense, but we can talk about it. Um, so yeah, I'll just go through the highlighted version. Uh, she said, there's been moments throughout these past few months. I've wanted to tell you I'm here, that it's me, that I'm okay. It would be a waste of breath. We can't get past two murder attempts, Jeremy. And I know if you found out I'm faking this before I'm able to leave, your third attempt at killing me will be successful. 
The first night you brought me home, I snuck to the office to delete the manuscript from the laptop, but you had already deleted it. I tried to find the one I had printed, but I couldn't remember where it was. There were blank spots in my memory after the wreck, and that was one of them. But I knew I needed to get rid of both of them so you couldn't use it against me. When I overheard your conversation with Pantom Press about their brilliant idea of continuing the series with a new author, I knew that was my way out. All I had to do was bide my time, but the new co-author had been making it difficult. She somehow got her hands on the printed manuscript I've been searching for. I'm sure you thought by deleting the file you were ridding the house of it, but you didn't. Now it's two against one. I don't even care about destroying the manuscript at this point. I only care about getting out of here. When crew and I finally get out of here, I'll call you someday and I'll tell you where to find this letter. After you read it, I hope you'll find it in you to forgive me. I hope you'll find it in you to forgive yourself. I don't blame you for what you've done to me. You are a wonderful husband until you couldn't be, and you are the best father in the world, hands down. I love you even still, Verity. So Lowen is like, (sighs) she didn't do it. And she's like, I don't want to believe anything I just read. I want to believe Verity is cruel and deserves what she did to it. But she's not sure if she did. Like, what if it's true? The woman lost her daughters and then her husband tried to kill her and then they killed her. And Jeremy already knew about the manuscript. Like, because he read the manuscript. Yeah. So wait, where did Lowen find the manuscript again? She found it in like one of the boxes that as she was going through Verity's like stuff in her office. Okay. So Jeremy knew he, about this the yes, whole time. He read the manuscript. He knew about it. And he was trying to murder Rarity. Like, he set up that whole, her whole accident. Okay, well, I guess you have to read the book to understand how the husband was acting, how Jeremy was acting the whole time. But he acted normal the whole time. That's the thing. When you, like, read that letter, you're like, But now when you reread that and you look at the stuff that Jeremy does, like, it has a completely different motivation behind it. That's true. It's like he had no feelings whatsoever for his wife. Like, he was having this affair. Like, doing all this, like, why would he keep her on life support or like why would he keep her in there you know i don't know that's the so thing like why would he keep he had her to have been there really the convinced that she was catatonic then yeah and because when she said she's or verity's at the top of the stairs and he goes and he looks at her and he's like it's you know yeah but he like really believed that like she wasn't moving around if you were lowen would you give him that letter oh probably not yeah, because it's like, then they like literally murdered her and she didn't mur- supposedly murder her kids. Yeah, because I mean, like, you're about to start your life with this new person. He reads that letter. All of a sudden, you send him into some deep grief shockwave. Yeah, because he tried to murder his wife, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> This is a bad book. It's... This is... Well, no, this is a good book. This is a really good twist. This is not a romance book at all. No, that's the thing about Colleen Hoover is that she always has a twist. Like, and I didn't really explain very much about her books at the at the beginning, but like every single one of her books that I've read always has a twist. Okay. And so it's never what you think it is. And I, I'm never able to like predict what the twist is. Which For a second, why... I thought the letter was going to be from Jeremy. I thought oh. Jeremy was going to have written a letter, but no, it's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> her no, it was her. But so she had to have written that thing at night then? Like when yeah. he wasn't watching. Well, when he when would he have been watching? Well, like because they didn't have the monitor in there until like the very end, and so oh, at night, yeah. So at night, she could have just wrote that letter, put it in the thing. It had to but have been like, recent. If you were gonna get out of there, wouldn't you have done? Like, wouldn't you have written that letter like 
really, really soon and gotten the heck out of there. Well, she thought that having Lowen there was her chance. Like, I don't know how, but yeah, she I, thought I that it was Lowen her. was going to help you. But if well, you not see... help her, but maybe distract Jeremy. I don't know. Maybe, but if Lowen's reading your book of like the terrible things, yeah. like why? What that's why she was like, be like, whoa, 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 that's not true. <laughs> that's it's not true. Well, because Lowen is Jeremy. on Jeremy's side, and well, so of for course, now, like I don't know, because uh, <laughs> she has feelings for Jeremy. You know what? It it honestly could it could have gone either way. Yeah, that story could have been written so many different ways, but it's so. Yeah. Ugh. What do you think? <laughs> I feel I feel gross. <laughs> I, I feel like I just watched the movie Seven. Yeah, it's like just not a happy, happy ending. Just like a. It's, it's not. A, it's a solid ending that just leaves. Did you even you suspect that though? Like no, nope. because it sounded like you knew nope. what yeah. she was talking about when well, she I, talked about the writing. Well, I thought like, she was talking. Oh, with the antagonistic yeah. writing. No, as soon as you said antagonistic writing, I remember that from school. And I was oh. like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's so you kind of knew what from yeah. there, like you kind of knew maybe what. Yeah. At that happening. point. I went, yeah. At that point, I was like, OK, how how deep does this go? And then it was just like, no, she was a caring mother. She just wrote really terrible things because she had not to thinking get... anyone was going to find it. Yeah. Well, because she... who would read a personal <laughs> journal? Of someone who's catatonic and sitting in the room. I don't know. I would. Terrible people. Lowen is a terrible No, woman. I would read it. After she finished the letter, she went into the city and immediately got hit by a bus. No. I don't. Maybe you wouldn't read the journal, but I would have. I would have. I straight up would. No. If she's like in a coma and I liked the husband, I would read it. No. Journals. Okay. So my it's dad. It's not really a journal. My dad and... had a bunch of journals. I would. And he, he got very sick towards the end. I would I still would not have read it until he was like really on his way out, like the last week or something. Then I'm I like, th- it's okay at that point. Well, they think that she's just she's not there though. Like I guess, but she's still like kind of there. Like, but they was don't the, know was that. Was there ever any hope of her coming out of it? No, that's she what they're saying. Just gonna be a vegetable for yeah. her whole life. That was the plan. Yeah. And they were going to put her in a facility like okay, well, that Lowen just, had convinced that her. That just makes it like this morally gray area then well, when that do you they're think leaving that, you to play in. Yeah. Do you think like if they were to move her to a facility, like do you think that night, like the night before is when she would try to make her escape with crew? Because really, why would you want to be in a facility and act like you were like a vegetable when you're really not? Yeah. Maybe she could, she could escape from the facility? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, it just makes me think that Jeremy was like a little bit more sinister, maybe. Maybe. Because he was, but he wasn't monitoring her until the end, right? Yeah. When, when Lowen was kind of making him paranoid. Yeah. So he didn't, it doesn't seem like, he, I don't know. There's a lot you can dive Yeah. There's dive a lot, which we definitely could. So. Sounds like a great book to get into a fight with your spouse over <laughs> And just not like fight? <laughs> not like really getting a fight, but just like have really heated debates over something that is nothing. That's <laughs> that seems what this book is really good at starting. That's true. We could talk about it for a while, but compared to the last episode you were on here with, do you think that this one was more like 
your alley. I'm just trying to figure out what you enjoy more. I don't like, want you to read books that make me... Well, no. Like, I want to make sure that they're, like, entertaining for you. Like, the last one I felt like was just kind of cheesy and, like, we could joke about it. last one was it, a little but, cheesy. Like, like, this one was the opposite. <laughs> it was really extreme. So I'm just trying to figure out, like... <laughs> no, like I said, this was, like, the movie Seven. With, like, what's in the box at the end and Brad Pitt's... A spoiler alert, Brad Pitt's wife's head is oh my in gosh. the box at the end I don't of the think movie. I've seen that movie. You, we've watched it. We oh. watched it a long time ago. I don't remember it. It, it doesn't matter. But it, it's the same. It's a really tragic ending. Like, yeah. it's tragic. Like, all secrets are revealed at the end, and no one's happy. Everyone's miserable. That's true. And this is the... I don't like, know. I've Lohan, read it. Like, it has the, it has the comedy ending. Remember how I said comedy? Every comedy is just a love story. Yeah. Yeah. So it had the comedy ending where everything was good. She was pregnant. They were moving on. The evil mother was dead. And Mm then she reads this letter and a twist. And nope, everything is still resolved. Everything is like finished out, but no one feels good. No one's happy. It's a tragedy. It's Hamlet. Which I've read a lot of Colleen's books and none of them are like this. Like that you're just like, Ooh, I don't want to read it. Like like that icky feeling that you were talking about. Like none of her other books have that. Like they kind of have a happy ending. Yeah. But this one, I don't know what was different about this one where, and everyone is like reading it and talking about it and it's on the top charts. Like, why is this on the top charts? It's hard to say. It's hard to like recommend this being a good book, but when, uh, when someone's intense. The craft is just good. So yeah. that's why it's like... The wording, like just how why. everything's phased. I'm not going to lie. I got scared in this book. Oh, I, I know you I, did. I scare very easily. But like when <laughs> when they're making out and she looks up and Verity's right there. Yeah. I was like... <clears throat> even just like the, the very first instance where she like looks up from her papers and Verity's looking at her. I was like, I don't like this book. <laughs> <laughs> like Even just words like scare me. <laughs> Oh, man. I know. Lots of emotions. And uh, I just, I'm glad you guys are here for the ride. This is a little bit of a long episode, but it. Uh, if you enjoyed it, yeah, leave enjoyed it, in the, it. Go on, go on Instagram. Find me yeah. in a book podcast. Yeah. Episode 40. Tell, tell us her that what you, liked you think it. about it. Tell us if you think that she actually thought that way or if it really was just like her form of writing. Like, I want to know what you think. Like, if she, yeah. Like, who is Verity? What is she really like? What What are your thoughts after all of this? Because I I think that it really was her mind. I, I really don't think that she was just writing just as, like, to get into the villain perspective. I think she literally was like that. And we could go on to forever. To stick it back to like, Jeremy, like, one last time at the end. Yeah, that's yeah. a plausible ending. Yeah. The other ending, I mean... Both versions are awful. Yeah. Like, there's no winner at the end. If she yeah. was, like, a really good mother, oh, it's terrible. If yeah. she was a really terrible mother and like, she wrote this letter just to make him feel bad at the end, oh. Yeah. Like, she could have put at the beginning of the autobiography, this is just a test. Like, this is just me doing this. In case he ever were to find it. But she just assumed that he doesn't really yeah. read her stuff. So she's like, oh, I didn't need to do that. But, like, but like, you could put a disclaimer at the top. I don't know. I wouldn't make a movie, though, of, like, terrible things without telling you. Like, yeah. I feel like that's something that would we would have 
right? in a conversation. Like, like hey, I'm going to write this manuscript, I'm, like, and it's really deep and dark, like, yeah. just so you know. Like, where's the communication? Or if I'm, or if I'm like, just making, like, <laughs> like Tab, I'm going to film something really terrible. And just, it's going to be, it's yeah. this awful Just story. know that this is not me. This, like, I'm just, I'm experimenting with dark yeah. Literally, it's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> But who are we? How so do, how would we communication know? Communication <laughs> is what we're saying. I don't know. Ten but years in, I think we might know a little bit of something. <laughs> good grief! Like it's been years. Like they've they've been together for at least years because yeah. Harper and everyone. Like, like four years is when she first got pregnant. So it's probably like well, you said 12. eight or nine. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she first got pregnant, they were four years in. Oh. So add like eight or nine years onto that. They like, they would have had a conversation. They had to have. Yeah, like, she would have said something like honey, I'm writing this, or like she would have said, I'm doing this antagonistic writing thing. Yeah. And it's like really interesting. You're supposed to write like f- from But she says that he wasn't paying attention when she was talking to like her, the agent about it. But it's like, no, you talk about it later. Like, hey, I'm about to do this. Like, anyways. Anyways. We have a lot of thoughts and feelings See, about like it. See, like I said, this was the fight <laughs> that this book starts. Yeah. Like, these are the intense <laughs> we are discussions. fighting so much right now. I'm going to fight you so hard i know <laughs> anyways i hope you guys enjoyed this and i hope you enjoyed having the husband here with us thanks he, for having me he definitely adds a lighter perspective ish this was just so heavy and oh. i just wanted to see how he would re- react and i feel I, like i ate like 12 fried chickens or something that's how <laughs> heavy it feels fried chickens y'all we're in the south oh. But anyways, I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for you listening. Definitely rate and subscribe and follow on all the social media and wherever you listen to this podcast. Yeah, and comment back. Yeah, on... we really want to know what you think. Well, like, she really wants to know I what really you do. Think. He might look at the comments and like reply to I'll just look and you. like your comments. But she, guys, you are in a rare time right now that you could comment and she will see it I will right see it away. because I'm going to be so famous one day. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm going to have like 50,000 comments and this I'm not like, going to be able to get back this to This is it. like the get in early kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Show your fanship right away. That's get right. Get in there. Anyways, grateful for you guys and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>